Hello, and welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Scott, here in... USA! <laughs> and joining me from a few thousand miles southeast of... Thailand! Is Hamish! Hamish, welcome back! <laughs> that's, that's the closest you're gonna get, Thailand. <laughs> I know! There, there are no Australian street fighters. I don't think so, yeah. Yeah, see? We're a very nice group of people, I, I assume, in the world of Street Fighter. You know, we did nothing wrong. We don't like to fight people. We don't have any uh, qualms. <laughs> you got uh, Kylie Minogue as Cammy, even though that really doesn't count in the movie. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, you, <laughs> but strangely enough, if we're going to go by the movie, you got the muscles from Brussels representing America. Yes, yes. Very Come true. on. <laughs> we all uh, know that movie was a work of art and, you know, the, the people's eyes weren't ready for it. It is a masterpiece and I definitely have it on my list to cover. But uh, this week we are talking about the iconic video game that really popularized an entire genre. The Capcom classic Street Fighter 2. I just uh, love this game so much. It was uh, produced by Yoshiki Okamoto. It was designed by Akita Nishitani and Akira Yasuda. And it featured the amazing soundtrack by the uh, legendary video game music composer Yoko Shimamura. And uh, yeah, she made some amazing compositions for this game. She pretty much did most of the music. And she was only like in her early 20s when she created all the music for this game. <laughs> I haven't achieved that level of success in my life. So um, <laughs> thanks, Scott. Uh, an, iconic, an iconic video game with music done by a youth who was a genius of their time. Yes, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she's put out albums and uh, live performances mm. of her video game music, still still working today. Uh, yeah, not even 50 years old. Thanks, Scott. Just really... <laughs> you know, There's still time I, 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 was, I was a young boy when I first played this game. I didn't know a musical prodigy had created this memorable tune. Yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> what has happened to me? <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting, I'm putting us into a spiral. Let's yes, just yes. get out of this, this get out you know, of nosedive. Now, Street Fighter 2, or Street Fighter 2 The World Warrior, as it was also called, was released in 1991. And now, obviously, this game was a sequel. The original Street Fighter came out four years earlier in 1987. But really, the second game is where the franchise completely took off. It was a much better game, and it was kind of built upon and, and kind of an improvement of what was established in the first game. It, it still was one character versus another in a best two out of three rounds. But now they had special moves, they had combos, they had more characters, and styles that were unique to those characters. And so that was what was so great about this game, is you could find a character that, you know, you played best with, and you could develop your skills with that character. Like, you know, you always had your character. Did you have a, a favorite, Hamish? Uh, I kept on swapping through. I mean, like, you know, everyone... I don't know if everyone does it myself. I keep going for Guile, just because he's a, he's a good character. That's Sonic Boom. Was it hold back, then forward? Yeah. Yep. yeah that was a good one. That was a good one to throw down. Uh, more or less because you'd throw it at, I'd throw it at the beginning, just because, if it, like, you know, as long as the other person wasn't ready for it, you'd, like, click it, bang, do that. Yep. Uh, and then immediately retreat back. <laughs> but the other one uh, I'd hook into would be uh, Blanka. I'll just do the electric, the, the, the electric shock move. Yep, and yeah, keep, definitely. And keep, and keep holding that move as much as long as I could. <laughs> there are a couple, <laughs> couple of moves like that. E Honda had one that, that, uh, that slapping move, 
And mm. uh, Chun-Li had a kick like that. And yeah, it, it was very hard to defeat sometimes. Sometimes you could with a projectile, though. That was great. I mean, like, you sit there spamming the buttons, like, I gotta jump over you, and this either... It's... I mean, if you knew the moves, yeah, if kids knew the moves, you you could easily just spam it over and over and over and over and over again. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, you want to make it hard for people. I mean, you know, uh, and that's part of the magic of the game, trying to work <laughs> out ways of beating a friend virtually and then turning to them in the arcade and pushing them to the ground and just yelling at them, saying that, you know, they're cheating. The physicality of this game reaches beyond the arcade cabinet. <laughs> And this was strictly an arcade game when it was released, but in 1992, Capcom released it for home consoles, and first the Super Famicom in Japan in June, and then later in North America and Europe for the Nintendo uh, Super NES. And uh, yeah, this was actually the first one that came out on a 16 megabit cartridge. This was a big deal. Yeah. And then after that, it was released on just a wide variety of consoles, even down to today. I think you can still get it on the uh, the Wii U and everything. So, you know, there's still ports of it that come out uh, every time there's newer or updated consoles. So this is a, a definitely uh, an accessible game for people still all these years later. I guess its only rival was Mortal Kombat when that came around. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there there were... Games, that, like one-on-one -on -one fighting games, there was plenty of them that came out. Like Virtual Fighter was a big deal because it was kind of like 360 degrees. Mm. I, I remember seeing that in the arcade. But this is really where it all took off. You know, this was one of the few times where a sequel launched the franchise. I was trying to think of some other games where that happened. Maybe Grand Theft Auto 3? Uh, I'd say so. You know, because like, you know, Mario was pretty established from the first one. Same with Sonic the Hedgehog. But it's not often where, where the sequel is where it all takes off from i mean it, it depends because like uh i got into playing uh silent hill 2 uh and i really got into silent hill from that point onwards mm -hmm. uh because i because the first one came out on playstation silent hill 2 they made a version for xbox uh played along but i really liked the series putting it all together it's all it's a very disjointed story through the entire uh, plethora of games now but uh, yeah i i think the sequel to that really did take off I'm not going against what you've just said, but if you hate, if you ever see a Silent Hill, you keep seeing the character of Pyramid Head, which is a very prominent character in the second one. It seems to be in every other game now, every <laughs> other Silent Hill property that ever has popped up. He was in like two of the Silent Hill movies for no reason because it didn't make sense to the character. No, because the character. Never mind. This is a whole separate thing, <laughs> which I could get into because it just annoys me if you read the history of the character or read the history of um, what the character represents, but. With Street Fighter 2, yeah, I saw that popping up uh, all over the place at most of the uh, arcades around here in Australia. Now, did you have this game personally? Did you ever play it uh, at all? Uh, I borrowed it from my Video Busters. The video. Remember when people used to rent things? I know, I know. <laughs> oh, this, see, I'm going back to the whole thing like, ah, I'm getting old. <laughs> but um, yeah, I used to have a local Video Busters and I remember borrowing it there for Super Nintendo uh, and playing at home. But I also remember playing this game years and years and years ago. Uh, well, maybe a couple of years before that. When they had it at an arcade cabinet at one of our roller skating rinks. And the roller skating place was called, um, I think, Oz Skate. We do label our things here in Australia Oz, by the way. So you're just, making that just, up. <laughs> no. No. Its mascot was a koala. 
And again, I'm not helping the fact that we're already <laughs> in Australia. Why are we labeling things Oz or whatever? Yeah. But no, yeah, it's this, it's this um, I guess, franchise roller skating thing. When roller skating was big back in, I think, the early 90s or mid-90s. But, like, you know, there was an arcade cabinet with a Street Fighter. And again, if you got bored of roller skating around the circle, yeah, you watch the kids play uh, Street Fighter for a while. Mm. Because, again, you know, no handhelds, no... I didn't have a Game Boy, personally. Uh, I didn't know that many people had a Game Boy. So, yeah, you'd crowd around and watch them um, beat the heck out of each other. <laughs> it, it was a, a big seller for arcade cabinets. You know, it, it made a ton of money. But, yeah, I, I have a copy of this for Super NES. And uh, I had a friend that would bring it over from time to time and we'd play. It, it's kind of a weird story how I, I got it. Uh, in middle school, we had mm-hmm. this thing. Uh, it was a, We had an auction where... If you were good at any point during the year, you got this certificate. It's kind of like this currency that was only good inside school. And right. uh, you would hold on to them. And so anytime you did your homework or they observed you helping others or whatever, they would give you these like good behavior certificates that you held on to, these coupons. And at towards the end of the year, uh, they had an auction where you could bid on goods with your fake school currency. Also, what you did is you donated like toys and stuff that you didn't want to this auction. And in return, they would pay you even more of these coupons. And so they had cookies Uh. and they had fudge (laughs) and they had toys and they had all kinds of stuff. And to me, it was like, well, we're going to have this auction. These coupons are not going to be worth anything in 60 minutes. So Mm. I don't care. You know, if there's something I like, I'll just bid with everything I have. So Mm. some kid, I still don't know which of my classmates it was, but some kid brought in Street Fighter 2 Turbo and Bulls versus Blazers in the NBA Finals. And I I didn't care about the basketball game, but when I saw Street Fighter 2, I was like, well, I'll bid everything I have to get this. My friends are like, what are you, stupid? I'm like, yeah, well, these (laughs) these pieces of paper aren't going to mean anything once the auction's over. That's, you know, I'm definitely going to go for it. And uh, yeah, so sure enough, I won it, so I, I got the game for free, and you know, all these years later, I still hold on to it. Love that game. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, I like how when you're kids, we have this whole value system which is completely warped. We have no idea what money is, but you know, it's like the kids like, "What? Are you gonna use all that on a video game?" It's like, of course you would. It's that's like solid gold. Yeah, you found gold at a school. Yeah. And it's just like, what What else? What do they expect you're going to do with that? It's like, uh, I'll use it to, I don't know. You, you could bring in any stuff, right? Could you get clothing? Like, a, like you know, a pair of pants? I don't know. No, Shoes? no, no, no. No, no. What was the worst item that was on that, you know, table of things you could choose from? Some kids brought in, I remember one kid brought in some rocks. Some some sort of, like, decorative <laughs> looking rock. <laughs> <laughs> so, so really... again, wait, I'm just, yeah. He really wants someone to take those rocks off his hands. So, yeah. I'm just looking at the value system here. The kids are saying, like, you had, like, for your age, you had a copy, a perfectly good copy of Street Fighter 2. And then there was rocks. <laughs> so, at, on this scale of what kids should enjoy, was, was there any candy? Like, you couldn't have any sugary drink, uh, foods or anything like that? Nothing uh, like so, that? Some kids brought in cookies. Uh, one teacher... Uh, they said, uh, oh, uh, Mrs. So-and-so is going to make fudge, and everybody, you're going to want to get some of this fudge. It's so good. And it's like... Ah, uh, she's overselling it. Yeah, and it's basically, I think it was the same fudge recipe that's on the uh, marshmallow fluff container, which... Uh, yeah, I don't weak. think... Weak. Yeah. Weak. So... But yeah, that's it. Okay, so the scale was, 
a video game which you could you know which was I don't know was it like a sixty dollar value ninety dollar value. It was pricey. This was 1996, and so the game oh, had been yeah. out for four years. So the kid was probably like tired of it as a game probably didn't want anymore. That's my yeah. guess. But to me, it was like, oh, Street Fighter Two Turbo. I'm definitely going for this. I don't care if it's four years old. Yeah, I mean, like that value is like, st- yeah, it's still pretty pricey at the time. I mean, we look back at it now. I can, I can go into a, a secondhand store and buy this for like you know peanuts. But for you, you bought it for like paper, like just <laughs> just paper but it's funny this the scale there of like the value of rocks perishable food and then street fighter yeah if i saw that there'd be a bidding war at my school i'd like i'd just be pushing people out of the way i mean and you got it for being a good kid right like doing everything on time yeah being a great a student there you go yeah that's a lesson we've learned yeah be good win street fighter (laughs) so anyway there's a lot of memories of course tied to these games for us and uh just to uh Saying who my guy was, Dalsum was my my uh, character of choice. Really? Were you just using the was it Yoga Fire? Yes, all the time. Either Yoga, either Yoga Fire or Yoga Blast. The flame. He's he's both. Those are both flames. No, like, was it one, one, one's, one's Yoga one's, Fire? Then once I think the uh, once fire like he has a fire stream, and once like a I think it was a fireball. The fireball was Yoga Fire, and then the 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 constant one yeah. that, that's that hung around that was Yoga Flame. All right. But anyway. Also, just a quick, quick side note: talking about kids and uh, you know, uh, things that really would hype them up. Do you remember a line of toys based off Street Fighter, which were actually part of a GI Joe line? Yeah, yes, I do. I, I actually had the Ken, uh, the Ken one. I was going to say Ken doll, but that's more of a Barbie. <laughs> thing. But I had the Ken well, action figure. Well, s- well, still, you said Ken. It's like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's that's fine. I guess that's okay too. <laughs> that's right, Ken, the Luigi of Street Fighter. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, they, those were cool. Those, so you guys had those too? Yeah, we got them down here too. Uh, I remember them. Because the thing is, like, you, know, you had the Street Fighter toys, but the problem is, I think they had two different ranges of them. Like, I think they actually had the standard Street Fighter 2 figures, and then later on they repackaged them and repainted them and called them the Street Fighter 2 Turbo Edition. Mm-hmm. So yeah, instead of having a, a green Blanca, you had a blue Blanca. Mm-hmm. That's actually pretty hard to say. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, like I thought that was so cool. I mean, like again, like is this a great idea for... You know, the guys who made G.I. Joe. But there's also the ads as well. There are these live action ads you can see of the G.I. Joe toys. And it has like, I think Duke or whatever it is. And like, it's some muscle bound idiot. And like, they've got actors being the Street Fighter characters. And like, was it? it it's it's so corny 90s. Like the guys like, the, the only guy who's doing the most of the talking is, I guess it's Duke. Pseudo blend, whatever you want to call him. Mm. But he's like, who are these guys? <laughs> acting acting crazy like that and like you know you talk about how they have fire and all this these kind of crazy abilities and it makes sense because they're all got their own little unique abilities and that fits right in with the old you know the old uh, gi joe team yeah yeah sure yeah but yeah, yeah i remember those, those cool. toys they're, they're pretty cool toys i mean you could thrash them about and like you know throw them in the garden leave them somewhere <laughs> they're great they didn't really break as hard as you would expect them to but yeah those were the best yeah, see, I I had only Ken. But what I didn't like about him was he was so much smaller than my X Men and Marvel toys. Then uh, <laughs> years later, uh, yeah. actually not too many years later, they came up mm-hmm. with uh, Street Fighter versus X Men, which that's a whole nother episode. That's a whole nother thing to talk about. But they made action figures for those as well, and that was mm-hmm. cool because now they had X Men characters and Street Fighter characters that were to scale, and they were much better sculpted. Like <laughs> Like a typical kid, you complain about the proportionate size of toys. You're getting, it's like they're made by different companies. Yeah, but they you want like Wolverine to team up with one of your Street Fighter guys, you know, and it's like even shorter than Wolverine. 
Yeah, but the G.I. Joe toys at that time were like, you know, good pocket-sized adventurers. Yes. <laughs> you, know, you pop them out. I think that's also, it, it's very handy for kids to shove them in their pocket or um, put them in, you know, your mum's handbag. And so, if she wants to distract you, like, all right, we're at this wedding. Here, you play with this toy. <laughs> you know, it, it, it fits really well and it's compact. And again, very durable, I got to say. I think there's still G.I. Joe toys, which are around today. But yeah, I, I, I thought they were cool. Yeah. yeah, fun toys, and again, just again, you had to sell a product. But um, I'm trying to remember what other video games had toys based off it because I can't recall at that time, particularly. No, not not many. I I remember um, Mortal Kombat. I think did have their own small figures around that scale too. Um, and uh, do you remember like a, Primal a ra- Rage? Oh yes, <laughs> I I have I've actually got a few of those figures. I have what whatever the. Uh, the white ape is. I have that guy. Blizzard yeah. or something? I don't know. Well, it's 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 either white ape or red ape. The white one. You gotta, you gotta make a choice. But yeah, that's no, the like, yeah, I got. I just don't know his name. I think it came out like, was it late 90s or maybe early 2000s-ish? Era? Late 90s. I think me and my brother, we love that game just because, you know, you get like beasts fighting each other. And you could kick around these little minions and stuff. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, so when they made the toys, it's like, oh my god, this is so cool. Because like, was it the Blizzard character, the... Monkey Ape Man. Uh, he had this like kind of you know, fist smashing action, but his other mate, the uh, Fire Monkey. I'm not using names properly because it's been a while since I'm. Yeah, yeah, I don't even remember. Yeah. Um, he, you could make him drink water. One of them, like, could drink water. Like he had to. Yeah, he, you could put water into it, side him and squeeze his stomach, and he'd fire it out of his mouth. <laughs> even though I think he's all about fire, I don't know what the water thing is about. Yeah. But um, yeah, me, I was hyped about that game. Again, this is coming off the back of um, having Jurassic Park. Yes. Uh, and being hyped about those toys and, you know, that entire uh, franchise. But yeah, seeing giant monsters fight, again, cool. That was violent. But again, there was also Mortal Kombat at the time. And again, still Street Fighter. Yeah. So, you know, Street Fighter is the literally... I think Street Fighter compared to like, Mortal Kombat and, yeah, Primal Range, is the most... It's, like, it's a very safe game. You know, I think that's the why it's been so um, resilient. You know, mm-hmm. for people who've never really played fighting games, it's a good game. Because again, like, even though, like, you can beat the heck out of people it doesn't really have like blood and people getting massacred in strange ways no yeah definitely yeah even today it's still pretty safe like it's like the characters uh look a little bit more cartoony uh, and they do get you know beaten up like crazy but yeah it's not like mole combat where mole combat's trying to be like hey check it out his head came flying off you broke his spine and stuff like that yeah mole combat's like hey you you beat a guy up but it's like the Hollywood version of beating someone up. <laughs> you know, it's like, you beat him up by doing a spin kick into his brain box. And now he's on the ground unconscious. And he gets up next round. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's fine. Yeah, it wasn't playing things for shock value or gore or anything like that. You know, no. everybody's try- everybody try to one-up the formula. And that's where you mm. get, you know, Mortal Kombat and Primal Rage. Like you said, maybe a little Jurassic Park mixed in there to, you know, try to spin it some way else. But... But yeah, this was a, a huge success for Capcom. It sold more than 14 million copies. It was actually Capcom's best-selling single consumer game software all the way until 2013. Wow. Until it was surpassed then by a Resident Evil 5. Ah, oh, dang it. Zombies, you win again. Now, it sold 6.3 million copies for Super NES alone, which I believe from my research is still the record for the most copies of a Capcom game ever sold for a single platform. It's just, that's just amazing. So, just getting into this game, uh, the story of the game, it's really funny that, you know, 
how are they going to tie basically just going around the world and one-on-one fighting in different settings? How is this going to tie into a story? Basically, you're one of many competitors around the world and you're seeking to win this worldwide tournament hosted by the mysterious and evil M. Bison. And, you know, the story is pretty simple. There's kind of uh, backstories that were flushed out later on through sequels to this game. You know, there there was uh, an animated series that was made and there was an animated movie and that gave you more of like their motivations. You know, there were some vendettas that they had against M Bison and uh, the game endings actually show you a little bit more of their motivation as we'll get into later on in this episode. That's interesting because I think that's a lot more detail than the arcades ever gave us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I think the arcades had like a very limited story or something along the lines of who was the strongest street fighter? Ambitious tough guys all over the world come together to put an end to the debate. <laughs> that's it that was literally it yeah that's the entire that's the entire plot i needed to play a video game it's like just someone some guy coming to a room going hey you know uh there are a lot of strong people out there but uh who's the strongest here's a collection of them let's see what happens <laughs> then just leaves the room immediately and like yeah let's see what happens <laughs> but it's funny because th- these people aren't all gathered together you know m bison is hosting it supposedly but it's not all taking place in you know Shadowloo or wherever it's all over the world. Like, how is this being hosted all over the world? But whatever. A lot of airfare, a lot of uh, frequent flyer miles uh, being used there. You've so. never seen uh, F- F1 racing? You've ever seen how much, you know, how difficult it is to put that together? Yeah, that's true, they, too. They get it done. I mean, we recently just had the Grand Prix down here. Okay, so I suppose if you equate it to that, yeah, sure. Yeah, an organized group of people coming together with, you know, hundreds of thousands of people working together to create something which is last gonna, well, gonna last, apparently, God, how long is it? Round? 99 seconds. No, 99 seconds. Yeah. But, like, I'm trying to remember, like, how did tournament work, anyway? Because, again, that's what I'm trying to work out. It's like, wait, so the round's 99 seconds, but then you beat the guy in that country, we're done, I'm leaving, going to another country. (laughs) Yeah, And the other guy's just, we we got all of these banners, all this information for these flyers, just for this... Very short battle <laughs> between two people. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, I don't know. The complexities of Bison's plan here are crazy. Yes. I don't know. You know, he's sitting at home going, do you want to be a good idea? If uh, I could fight someone who thought he was really good. Okay, Bison. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> That's what he does is, is let everyone else duke it out. And then uh, whoever's left fights him at the end. So he, re- he doesn't have to fly around. Like, I know, I know there's a, a rich lore behind all this, but for this time right now, for Street Fighter 2, it's just like, uh, I'm going to have another fighting thing. Uh, we're all going <laughs> to fight. And uh, hopefully people join in. Yeah. I th- I'm like, it's like, like you, you, you've, you've got like quite a few people from America, though. I don't know what the registration is like. So it's like, hey, all right, we want one person from Japan. Oh, right, no, we can put in two people from Japan. It's fine. You know, two people from Japan, good idea. Uh, get, oh, let's get another American. Yep, uh, another American. Okay, and another American. Well, th- that's too many. <laughs> it's like, it's not a good blend here. And then it's like, you know, USSR uh, and Brazil. And in Spain, it's just, he, could, he couldn't, like, there's no guy from Britain. No yeah. British guy. No one from Africa. Surprise. No one from no one Australia. From France. <laughs> <laughs> we could go on and on. But, uh... Yeah, so, yeah, we don't really quite know much of their motivations except for the game ending kind of clued us in, you know, if you were fortunate enough to see it at the end of, Mm. you know, you beating the game. 
But uh, also worth noting, as we talked about a little bit earlier, the Street Fighter franchise also spawned two feature films, uh, 1994's Street Fighter and then 2009's Street Fighter The Legend of Chun-Li. Both were terrible films. They got abysmal (laughs) reviews, but the 1994 film, that's... That's a masterpiece. That's so great. So much fun to I th- watch. I, I think that's the watermark. The Legend of Chung Lee, flaming garbage. Yeah, terrible. Just, it was a, I don't know, either someone had the rights to it and they thought we have to do something with this because I think there's a bison in it, but it's, oh, who's the actor? Neil McDonough, I think. I, I'm surprised you could think of that that quickly. I, I've, <laughs> I've looked it up. Because he looks the same in this as he does in, was it, uh, was it Legends of Tomorrow? Is he in that? Oh, yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, he looks yep. exactly the same. And he's supposed to be playing... Well, no, I think he has a beard, maybe, in the Chung Lee adventures of crashing and burning. <laughs> but um, he, he... Yeah, he's... It, I I don't know. I don't know whose idea that was. Kind of like, hey, let's just really make this a mess. But I gotta admit, I mean, you know, the classic one, there's only one good Street Fighter movie. Yeah. I mean... That How can you it. beat Jean- Jean-Claude Van Damme and Carly Minogue? And Raul Julia. I d- I, it, it's sad, but it's not his best movie. I mean, at the same time, it was very over the top, and the movie was trying very hard to blend in a lot of things. I mean, I, I you, you might have to blame... <laughs> I want to say blame the Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> because in a way, that kind of caused all this calamity of ideas and you know people kind of going, oh, we have to keep it very... you know partly like the video game, I guess. Because yeah. <laughs> at one point, was it Raul Julius flying around on his little levitating pod thing? And he's, his yeah. controller is actually the controller from the arcade. <laughs> 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 I like how he's just delivering these lines, like, you know, from here, I can control everything. And, you know, he's flying around. It's like, mate, that's a game controller. <laughs> it's so great, though. It's so great. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's so schlocky. Uh, and it's so... Uh, his thing, I don't want to say it's bad because it, it actually is entertaining. That's mm-hmm. the problem here. I could, I've watched it multiple, multiple times. It, it isn't as faithful to the game itself, but it's trying to be as close as possible. Yeah, I they believe. try to make a story out of it. They do. Oh, my God. Uh, and they're trying to... T- I think it was a Dalazim was, I think, the weakest character, I think, in the entire thing. Is it Dr. Dalazim? Yeah, yeah, he he was a uh, a scientist that was uh, forced to work for Bison. Yeah, that. he doesn't yeah. fight anybody. No, there's, there's no there's no fighting from him at all. No, no. yoga fight, nothing, no stretching. No um, powers in that uh, movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? he, he had nothing. No, no, he had, no powers no was, for anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no one was doing anything. No, like no one had like any kind of cool fireballs or you know. Nothing. Crazy stuff like that, but I was trying. To, was it? Uh, they, they, I think it was like they blended a Guile's story about was it Ch- his mate Charlie. Yes, and they blended in with uh, Blanka. Yeah, to make Blanka a, a science experiment or like the some sort of weird off-brand Hulk. Pretty much, yeah. Except, yeah, he doesn't do much. Yeah, Charlie Blanka. They made they made him into Charlie <laughs> Blanca, which you know, as a kid, that's what I thought it was. You know, I thought that was the story. I thought Blanca's first name was Charlie, and he was Guile's best friend. But no, that was only in the movie as a way of blending those characters together. But here's the thing: it, it, it's it's funny for the fact that um, that movie did spawn a game. Yes, yes. In fact, I think it's even a special feature on the Blu-ray. You can see some uh, animation from that game. Yeah, a, a weird photo-captured live-action version of Street Fighter. 
Yeah, because they're going for the. At the same time, I think borrowing that idea from uh, Mall Combat. Yeah. Because Mall Combat uses that same idea where, like, you, know, you take photos and you render it. And they did the same thing when they had all the actors come back. They made a bargain basement version of Street Fighter. Yeah. Because it was the same game, but, like, I think it was, like, a lot slower. And it just, you know, it just, it, there was no, there was, the feeling was just, no. It's like, this, you didn't need to make this. You could just sold more copies of Street Fighter. You know. <laughs> Just, just do that. Don't know why you need the movie version of the game. But yeah, I think for its legacy for that movie, it it tried its best. It wasn't so serious. A little bit campy, I gotta say. But at the end of it, I think this is the one thing which I, I still remember to this day. The one thing they got right is they put them all in their victory poses at the oh, end yes. of that movie. <laughs> the that ending the is best. so good. <laughs> it's so cheesy. It's so stupid. I don't think any of the characters really get killed or destroyed or anything anything like that except for like, i think bison but, but he's the big bad this whole piece well B- blanca i think no does blanca and dulcim die don't they i don't know i think they they're do like they 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 either stay behind or something because i'm trying to remember like you know they stay there and either something crashed around them i, I yeah I'm, I'm i'm still up in the air about that one yeah i i think dulcim is the scientist behind blanca's transformation and blanca isn't going to make it out of there and dulcim you know, feels yeah. bad for what he did for his part in it. Yeah. So he stays behind with it as everything comes crumbling down. And then, of course, you know, not to spoil anything, but uh, M. Bison uh, does not quite die at the end because um, he is able to continue. Yeah, he tried. Oh, talking about powers, remember he did get shocked and for some reason he had like electric powers. Yes. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I'm trying to remember right. he had, had, that, had that bizarre flying thing that he did and that was it. <laughs> yes, his uh, levitations. See, are... now I just now I just want to watch that movie because it is really bad. I know, but like it's it's bad on equal footing to that Super Mario film, where it's like people go like, "Oh, that Super Mario film is rubbish." And it's like, yeah, but it took time for it to become this rubbish classic. Now, oh, yeah, it's so bad that it's good, and and I definitely want to cover those both of those movies in future episodes of this podcast. I just I think the line delivery from our American hero. Guile in that movie was the best. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. Just every, so time awesome. Jean, every time Jean Claude Van Damme has to speak, it's the best. <laughs> yeah. I will destroy you, my son. It's like he doesn't know the pacing of words. And it's just the best part of that movie. Every time I watch it. But um, yeah, I think, I think it, to keep a movie franchise, or not a movie franchise, a video game franchise going, yeah, I guess that movie kind of helped again it was schlocky we didn't know what we wanted from video game movies at that time we weren't doing the whole serious thing uh you know it's 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 a piece of nostalgia which will live on yeah and you said it's on blu-ray right oh yeah oh wow <laughs> I, I didn't think it'd make it that far oh it, of course it's so good crystal clear all right so enough backstory let's get right into the playing of this game So, to start, we get that Capcom logo along with that famous digital-sounding flourish. And then our yellow-orange title, Street Fighter 2, and that wild, painted-looking typeface, along with the game's awesome theme. So, from here we go to that world map in the character selection screen. Uh, Here the map is actually Pacific Ocean-centered, with eight flags representing the homes of the eight playable characters that you can select below. And also, hey Mish, if you noticed, there are a few little 8-bit animals on the map. Africa has an elephant and a giraffe. Uh, some versions have a panda in China. And uh, did you notice what is in Australia? 
Uh, no fighters. I noticed there's no fighters. <laughs> <laughs> no we playable have, we have, character. We have, we have nobody in this battle. You just got a little 8-bit koala hanging yeah, out there. It, 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 it's great that we have a koala. He, he can't go there, though. No. He can't go to Australia. No. <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing. I'm, I'm, the worrying part is, like, if there was an Australian character, he'd be probably wearing a Kubra and, you know, just be going like, All right, mate! Like, something like that. Oh, it would definitely be... It, it would be a Crocodile Dundee ripoff, for sure. That guy. Yeah. 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 So, in the regular version of the game, there'd be eight characters below the map, but in later editions, the roster was expanded to 12. There, the four villains of the game were available for uh, Street Fighter II Turbo, and I, I think later editions as well. So, basically, the last four that you have to defeat in the tournament are playable characters in some version. So, once you select a character, we see this little airplane icon fly from whatever your home country is to that of your first opponent. This fades to a versus screen featuring some digital portraits of the two competitors, usually in some sort of battle-ready stance. And uh, we open on the battle. At the top of the screen, we have the character's health bars along with the timer. As we mentioned, they give you 99 seconds, unless you adjust it. You know, you can change your difficulty and settings and stuff. Uh, at the end of the battle, I love how the character's portraits are once again shown, but the loser's picture is bruised and bloodied and usually looks like they have a toothache of some sort. Well, yeah, you want to see what kind of damage you did to the guy's face. <laughs> Everyone's got puffy cheeks, like they got some sort of terrible tooth infection. <laughs> well, maybe they... they probably did. I don't know. <laughs> you know, they're, they're spending a lot of time flying back and forth, going to countries. They maybe have, haven't gotten their flu shots and things like that. Maybe, they, you know, they had a, a peanut allergy. <laughs> that's, that's what happened. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. It's 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 in vast contrast to uh, the winner who has who has is completely clean faced. He's yes. you know nothing's wrong with him. It's like he wasn't even in the fight. And but yeah, the opponent always has a mashed up looking face as if someone's gone at them with a hammer. Yeah, terrible. And, yeah. and at the bottom of the screen, the winner gives a message, often a taunt to their defeated opponent, literally adding insult to injury. And we'll mm. go over those, too. I, I have all those written down. Those are pretty funny. And uh, the as I showed you uh, before we recorded, Hamish, those uh, defeated Street Fighter character designs, someone actually created a set of collectible busts of these bruised and battered characters, complete with the uh, yellow continue question mark underneath. <laughs> well, because I want to, you know, enjoy my defeat. <laughs> you know, I look, I look at that guy. That's right. See that on my mantle? I am a failure. So just going back to the tournament, it, it consists of 15 stages. 12 are fighting. There's actually three bonus stages. Uh, each gets progressively difficult. It sends you all around the world. And there's also a running point total over your health bar. I never paid attention to this. They, they give you points for landing moves. Uh, if you won a round, you would get 100 points for every second left on the timer when you win. Also, if you win a round without taking any damage, you know, of course, what the announcer says. Good work, buddy. Is that, is that it? Am yeah. I anywhere close? Close. It's, you win. Perfect. Oh, okay. Well, I'd, I'd have to actually win a round <laughs> to hear that. No, for a, for a perfect round, you would receive 30,000 points. But if you're facing Balrog, Vega, or Sagat, you get 50,000 points. And for a perfect round against M. Bison, you get 80,000 points. Again, and a brand I'm, new car! Yeah, really. I never paid attention to the point total. I guess, you know, at home, who cares? But if you're at the arcade, I suppose, you want to get your initials in there, you know? Oh, yeah, you want to get your name up on the board. As yeah. long as your name is three letters. 
Yeah, or something vulgar <laughs> that you can write in three characters. I noticed a lot of those over the years. What are you talking about? Like, what what, what, what kind of vulgar words? Well, poo, Scott? of course, would be my, my oh, word of choice. Whoa, would be hilarious. there are kids listening to this. Maybe, possibly, I'm not sure. <laughs> I haven't done the research. So you're saying there was no point to the points. There was only for, you know, your leaderboard. You, you know, you'd want to see how many points you can get. And obviously, it was some reflection of how well you played. You know, it was some measure of that. Not just beating the game, but how many points you racked up. Because, you know, you get a ton of bonus points for, you know, a perfect round, landing <laughs> a lot of hits and things like that. So, yeah, I guess there was some point to it. But to me, it was just, I want to win the tournament. I want to see if I can do it. When my friends walk into my local time zone... It's a video game place. Mm-hmm. Time zone and see the arcade cabinet with the words H H A because I screwed it up when I was putting in my uh, initials. <laughs> I want people to know that was me. That's right. My legacy will live on as long as no one turns the machine off. Long live. Haha. <laughs> ah. <laughs> that was a problem with some of these machines. It's like if you didn't know where the input was, like if you weren't looking around on the proper part of the screen, you'd already hit a button. And your first letter would be A, or it'd be Z. Yeah. So, like, oh, I can't go back. So, it'd be like, Z, F, T. <laughs> it's like, well, dang it. Because now you're running out of time because you're panicking. Yes. It's like, everyone should know that's Z, F, T. It's like, hey, wish that's not your name. I know. <laughs> I'm going to just tell everybody it's me. All right. So, to begin with our first stage, we have Ryu, or Ryu. As his name is really pronounced. I don't know. Did you always call him Ryu? It's it's one of these things that depends on who you're talking to. It's like yes. Ryu, Ryu. One person <laughs> I think said Ryan. <sighs> because it's easier. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It's always one of those harder ones to nail down. Especially when you meet other kids who say it differently. Like Ryu, 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 Ryu. Well, it's Ryu for real, but we always called him Ryu. But anyway, you fight him on an upper platform or rooftop of a Japanese pagoda. It looks like it's either dusk or dawn. Uh, Now, Ryu is the primary character from the original Street Fighter. He is from Japan. He wears a sleeveless white karate gi, red gloves, red headband, red slippers. Uh, His character is extremely focused on his training, always looking for a challenge. But, because of his great power, evil men like M. Bison wish to use him. So, that's kind of his character. Now, on the original arcade cabinet, they have, like, a little bio for each of the, uh, you know, eight playable characters. So, his official arcade bio says, The power of his hurricane punch and dragon punch are renowned since ancient times. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You you, you haven't heard of his hurricane punch? Or his uh, dragon punch? He's also got a cyclone kick. He's very yeah. into weather, I gotta say. Now, <laughs> hurricane it, and cyclone. Was it called a cyclone kick for you guys? Yeah, we got. Uh, there's a hurricane punch and cyclone kick, and then there's a, the dragon punch. But yeah, we got cyclone kick. All right, I was just wondering if they would change, uh, you know, because hurricanes are Atlantic storms. I wondered if Pacific had different names for the moves. A typhoon kick instead of a hurricane kick. <laughs> the southwesterly. <laughs> what? Again, it, it seems to be a lot about the the weather here yes you know hurricane mild breeze thrust (laughs) i don't know so anyway he had some iconic moves there was the the fireball which you know you rolled forward and press any punch it was this glowing ball of blue energy and of course he says you know hadouken the dragon punch where then he would punch up you know and and say sharuken 
And then the hurricane kick where he stick out a leg and he spins and he says a whole bunch of stuff that I, I don't even know. So there, <laughs> there were some great moves for him. So each of these characters had two victory stances and two victory quotes. Uh, so, you know, his first victory stance after he defeated his opponent, he would fold his arms and his headband would uh, blow in the wind. And his second stance is him just raising his hand in victory. Pretty plain. His first victory quote was, you did quite well, but you need more training to defeat me. And his other quote was, you must defeat my dragon punch to stand a chance. That's like, yeah, yeah, I get it. That's my <laughs> only response. Like, yeah, I get it. I have to do better to beat you. Thank you. We know. Your dragon punch. It's like, your dragon punch is your thing. All right. I don't know how to defeat that. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to ask Ken. I'm going to ask Ken because apparently he knows a thing or two about what you do. Now, on the arcade version of this game, I think maybe even on the home console version, if you waited long enough, they would show you some bios for each character mm -hmm. with their date of birth and their dimensions and everything. So, so Ryu was 5'10", 150 pounds. Blood type O, he was from Japan. His date of birth was July 21st, 1964. So that means he is currently 52 years old. Yeah, he's still pretty spry. Yeah, sure. I like how we need to know the blood type. Yeah, what? I know. <laughs> what am I going to call a doctor? What, like, why? <laughs> my, my favorite character's blood type. Yeah, it's, it's very great. It's great. I need to know this stuff. I know, really. So for our next stage, we actually stay in Japan. It's a shorter flight. And we face E-Honda. Now, E-Honda has founded a traditional Japanese bathhouse, or Sento, which in the story of the game, he actually owns this bathhouse. I never knew that. I found that recently in my research. Uh, there's lanterns hanging from the ceiling inside. We see the walls and floors are tiled. Uh, along the far wall, there's a painting or a mosaic of Mount Fuji. Very nicely designed. Yeah, he's, he's got a good uh, artistic eye there, I'm gonna say. Yeah. Definitely. Now, uh, you know what the E in E-Honda stands for? Education. <laughs> it does. He actually is a teacher, which is pretty yeah, funny. He, and that's what he's going to do. He's going to educate you about <laughs> his foot or his hands into the yeah, face. His hands. Yeah, he's going to give you the hundred hand slap and educate you until you graduate to the floor. <laughs> and then he uses one of those hundred hands to hand you a diploma. Well, that'd be the killer head ram. <laughs> that's his. No, but the so e what's, what's the e stand? The e stands for yeah. the e stands for Edmund Edmund Honda. <laughs> That doesn't sound... I, the only Edmund I know is Edmund Blackadder. <laughs> yes. <laughs> quite, uh, quite a different character. Yeah. But uh, he's, a, of course, a Japanese sumo wrestler, if you haven't seen him. He wears face paint and everything. He's up, His story is that he is upset that the world doesn't revere the sumo the way that the Japanese people do. So he enters the tournament as a way of proving that the sumo rank among the world's best fighters. Now, aside from this, many sumo wrestlers were found to be taking drugs traced back to Shadow Lou. So he also is going to use his entry in the tournament to kind of investigate what's going on there and what, what M. Bison has to do with, you know, the, this, uh, you know, usage of drugs among the, uh, the ranks of the sumo. So that's, uh, he's kind of a detective in that way, too, which is pretty funny. What I think is funny is like he's angry because was it uh, no one respects the sumo like the Japanese. So if you fight Ryu, Ryu's like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. We're not going to fight. I respect you, man. It's cool. <laughs> Everything's fine. There's no beef with me, man. It's cool. Don't worry yeah. about it. Yeah. But but also, isn't it risky fighting in a bathhouse? That's, yeah. It's, everything's wet. You know. S I snap think an ankle or something <laughs> on the, the wet yeah. tiles. 
Yeah, there's only about, like, you know, not that many people who are wearing shoes in this game, you know. I think Zangief, <laughs> Chun-Li, Guile, M. Bison. Uh, I'd say, you know, Vega. Oh, Vega has it, Sagat, and Balrog. But I think Balrog's wearing those kind of boxing shoes, which yeah, are yeah. Not, not sure they have that much grip. But again, it's like, it's very slippy. You know, you're going <laughs> to slide and just fall over the ground. So, I, I don't think it's a great idea they should have uh, fought in that place. Again, no. he's going to have to call these, you know, tile people and come in and fix it up i would say he has to call his local tile mart but that's an australian thing <laughs> well yeah, i get it i understand what it is yeah it's like but- well i need like 50 tiles actually wait do you want make it 500 why uh there's two more people coming in to fight <laughs> so he had some great moves of course the iconic hundred hand slap which was so easy to do because all you had to do was tap any punch and what was great about it is you could slide your character back and forth while doing it. Uh, you know, Blanco with his electric move, you couldn't. You were you had to stay put wherever you were. Not the case with E-Honda. You could slide around, gave you a little bit more mobility. He also did a headbutt and a body splash. He had a bear hug, a knee bash. You know, a bunch of, you know, standard strong guy moves. Uh, his victory stance, one was a, a traditional sumo stance. And he says, dos koi, which I don't know what that translates to. Uh, he also laughs with his hands in the air. That's another one. His uh, two quotes, can't you do better than that? And the second quote, it's natural for a sumo wrestler to become the world's strongest. Again, my reply to that is, I could do better if we weren't playing on tiles. Right? <laughs> Very slippy. No, his official arcade bio says, he has joined the competition to prove the superiority of the Japanese sumo wrestler. His, yep, that's uh, all you need. He is 6'2", 304 pounds, which doesn't seem like a lot, 304. Uh, his blood type is A. He, of course, is from Japan. His date of birth, November 3rd, 1960. He is currently 56. Again, I think yeah, there's going to be a pattern of a lot of people in the 50s, isn't there? Yes, oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> so next, we go to face Blanca in Brazil. Now, Blanca is found in a village along the banks of the Amazon River. The residents watch the fight through the windows of their grass-roofed building. Also, there are some people that are outside cheering and taking pictures. In the center of the background is a very large tree with, I'm guessing, an anaconda wrapped around it. We also see a large fish that somebody had caught that's hanging there. So, Blanca is a super strong... I guess beast-like man. He's got green skin, spiky orange hair. One of the iconic characters of the franchise. Uh, He was once human, but after a plane crash over the Amazon, he came in contact with electric eels, which triggered his mutation. All the time. (laughs) That happens all the time. Do 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 you not think that's 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 a thing that happens? Didn't you see Spider-Man Two? Oh, the amazing Spider-Man Two. It happens. You fall, eels, bang, powers. Same thing. It's just nature. Yeah, yeah. Electric <laughs> eels, electric powers. That's how it works. Very, a very traumatic time in his life. <laughs> you know, plane crash, eels, powers. Okay, <laughs> that's it. Now, he crashed as a, as a young child, as we'll learn. So, he was like beast-like with green skin and orange spiky hair, even as a kid. Yeah. So, there was a little kid Blanca running around zapping people for all those years. Yeah. That's how he. That's how he rolls. <laughs> he literally rolls. That's one of his great attacks. He uh, would hold back for two seconds, then you you press forward and punch, and then of course the electricity attack, which we talked about. You just tap any punch, and uh, bolts come out of him or whatever. 
He also does a head bite. Do you remember that move? Yeah, if you got close enough. Yeah, kind of fearsome. Grabs a guy, just starts biting on whoever's, you know, he's facing. Bites on their head. <laughs> That's right. There are no rules in this international competition. No, no, none at all. This, this giant organized international competition led by Bison. There are no rules. Bite whoever you like. Bite in a tiled wet place. Up to you. Also, do you have to like sign a registration form to join? Because I'm trying to think of Blanca. And there's got to be like a handler for him. And he's like, yeah, yeah, Blanca wants to be on top of this. Yeah. It's like, oh, you just need to sign here. He doesn't know how to use pens. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Just uh, put something on there. Put a sl- like a fish on there. <laughs> That's it. Okay. We'll take that. I don't know. I, someone's organizing this thing. I'm just thinking getting a wild beast into this situation involves a lot of paperwork. You would imagine, yeah. Now, his victory stance is if he wins, one is he'll raise his arm in the air and he'll growl three times. The other one, he'll just keep doing backflips, which is pretty funny. Uh, now, you wouldn't think he'd be able to talk, but he does have two victory quotes. One is, now you realize the power I possess. And the other is, seeing you in action is a joke. It's <laughs> pretty harsh. It really is, yeah. Again, that, that, that's just my reply. It's like, seeing you in action is a joke. It's like, well, I just fought a beast man who has electric like energy coming out of him. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised I'm alive. Yeah, I'm still able to stand here with a bruised face and just take this beating. Yeah. Now, his official arcade bio says, His past is clouded in mystery, looks quite different from any ordinary man, possesses inhuman speed. It's like, I wouldn't consider him the fastest of the characters. Eh, He's pretty wily. I guess. Roll attack is pretty fast. Yeah, I guess. Whatever. <laughs> but it's, it's pretty funny. It. So I just started just blowing him off, like, yeah, whatever. I ain't impressed by this guy. Not at all. I never really played as him much. Now, uh, he was 6'5", 218 pounds, very tall, but you wouldn't know because he's kind of hunched over. His uh, his blood type's B. Uh, he is from Brazil. His date of birth, February 12th, 1966, which means he is 51 years old. <laughs> Again, everyone's in their 50s. Okay, so now now that we've gone through three stages, we go to our first bonus stage, which these were hilarious. Now, the first one is a car. It de- Although, it does depend on if you played uh, the turbo version or the arcade version. Uh, some had bricks to start. But I believe in the turbo version, the first stage is a car. And here, it's a parked car at the harbor in which you face Ken. Yeah, just a regular gray, like, sedan. And you have to go crazy on the thing and try to destroy it all in the allotted time. Yeah, it's unfortunate for the guy who parked his car, though. You gotta say that. Like, I don't know how, like, even if it was a promotional thing and it's like, Okay, guys, now it's time for the bonus round. You're going to destroy this Holden Statesman. You know, I... Or was it... Do you guys have the Statesman over there? No. No. Alright, well, it's just an Australian thing then. Sorry, I'm Australian. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Don't need to apologize for that. <laughs> uh, I'd say cr- like a Chrysler. I'll say that. Yeah, it's like a LeBaron, pretty much. Yeah, Chrysler. Yeah, LeBaron. It's like sitting there. But it's, it's, it's again, it's like if you're promoting a car, it's a bad way to promote a car. It's like yes. the brand new Chrysler. Smash, smash, smash. <laughs> <laughs> Look how fast it explodes, everybody. You know, it's, oh, it's just some guy's parked car. In either way, an odd choice where it's like, all right, you've been fighting each other using your skills that you've learned, anticipating your enemy. Now, yeah, put some time to clock, beat this car up. <laughs> That's right. Your human fist into metal. Yeah. 
beat the heck out of that crow. <laughs> That's it. It doesn't make sense. I thought these bonus rounds were so cool uh, as a kid. Just like the fact that, oh, it's not even just one-on-one fighting here. Like, you get to really just destroy stuff and, you know, you get to crush this car. You know, and basically all it did was destroyed it in stages depending on how many hits you put on it. And, yeah. uh, you know, you really had to go at it. In fact, it was even, I think, during the testing of these bonus rounds where they discovered that you could get a couple of extra hits in. And that's basically where combos came from for these games, really just by accident. All right, so once that car is destroyed, uh, we actually go to USA. And here we face Guile. Now, Guile fights outside of an Air Force base with uh, jets parked in the background. We see other pilots, they're kind of casually sitting around on crates to watch the fight. Uh, this stage is also unique because there are two large wooden crates that will break if the fighting is done around them. It was basically their attempt to kind of make interactive backgrounds. Guile, of course, is a uh, U.S. Air Force major. Got that giant, blonde, flat-top haircut that kind of flares out the front and the back. It's almost like an anvil-shaped haircut. Uh, he is joining the tournament to avenge the death of his friend Charlie, who was killed by M. Bison. As we talked about, uh, you know, Charlie is not Blanca, but in the movie they kind of merge the two characters. But uh, Charlie's just, at this point, some guy we had never seen, and Bison killed him, so this was his way to face Bison. So for moves, he had the uh, the great sonic boom, you know, where you hold back for a couple seconds, then press forward and punch. And they kind of look like, I don't know, what, two, like, bright boomerang-shaped things that go across the screen? Well, I am Australian, so yes. Well, I didn't mean <laughs> it like that, I know. <laughs> I know. No, but like, I played as a guy, you know, the sonic boom was one of those moves, like, if you didn't know how to do, you know, any of the cool stuff from Ryu, you'd pick Guile. Yeah. Because, again, his stuff was, like, forward, backwards, or up and down. That was it. Yeah. You know, Flash it, kick, it, it too, was another thing. Yeah, you could do somersault kick, which is, you know, hold down and up. Yeah. Uh, or you go back and forward. And that's it. Like, you know, he was that, that easy to do. I mean, you know, good character. And, of course, you know, the, the kind of the leader, as they, they get into the movies, we'll see, like, Ryu is uh, a primary character. But Guile also... They kind of make him a star in uh, subsequent properties. He has a couple of victory stances. One, he just flexes to show off. The second one, he fixes his hair and flexes. So he's a little conceited uh, in as this in the uh, story. Uh, he has two victory quotes. One is, are you man enough to fight with me? Which, if you do fight a female character, he still says it. He will ask Chun-Li, are you man enough to fight with me? And his second quote, go home and be a family man. It's very <laughs> funny why he would have two gender-specific things to say. But it's funny because he, you know, he's, you know, he's mate Charlie, who appears later on in the series. He actually mm-hmm. can play him, but he appears later on. I think oh, Street Fighter Alpha. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. But it's interesting that you know his his character is. They all got their own reasons to fight. Some of them are very just. I'm angry at the world, <laughs> like <Yep>. E Honda. <laughs> uh, I don't know why Blank is. What was Blank's reason to fight? I have no idea. Yeah, that, see? that never gets answered. They're, they're flying this monster man around this country, <laughs> or, or every other country on the world, Yeah, and to fight in this tournament. And it's like, this is that, that's not a great idea. And then you got this military guy who's just there telling people to go home. <laughs> go home to your flat. family. It's like, I don't have a family. It's like, well, get yourself a girlfriend. How yeah. do I do that? Let me show you a dating website. You know, it's like <laughs> kind of stuff. Now, uh, his bio here. Uh, that was on the arcade. It says, With icy cool, he assaults his opponents without restraint. His somersault kick is particularly devastating. With icy cool. With icy cool. <laughs> is it that stuff you put on if you get, like, sore muscles? Icy hot? 
that kind of stuff. It's the opposite. Yeah. Icy Sha- cool. Shaquille O'Neal. Get your icy hot back patch. <laughs> yeah. That's what, he, that's what he's doing. He's walking around with icy cool. He's like, oh, I'm so sore. Oh. It's like, Guile, maybe you want to like take a couple of days off. He, 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 like you're sore. Nah. It's good. I'm not a family man yet. <laughs> Guile, you seem to be really going for the whole family man angle. Do you have a, you have a family at home, don't you? Well, well, we'll learn about that. Yeah, it's interesting that Family Man is kind of his, like, go-to thing when, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll learn about his backstory. Now, he's uh, 6 foot 1, 191 pounds, blood type O, uh, from the USA. His birthday is December 23rd, 1960. That means he's 56. Good. <laughs> they're, all, they're all basically 50. Pretty much. Yeah. All right, so this brings us to the next stage. This is Ken. This is also in the U.S. Ken is found by the docks at a harbor. And uh, as you fight in the background, you're cheered on by guys watching on an anchored boat. Uh, it's pretty funny. No, it's just, sorry. It's just every time I think of these, these situations, like, yeah, I'm fighting at the docks. Just, and this guy's like, yeah, good work, Ken. Keep doing that. Ignore the smell of the running fish that we got in the back of the boat here. Now, Ken is another character from the original game. He is the friend and sparring rival of, of Ryu. He is almost identical to him, except for he has longer blonde hair. He has a red karate gi. And he was actually later given the surname Masters. Ken Masters. Okay, well, that's, that's good for him. But again, he is still the Luigi of Street Fighter. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He, he even has the same moves list. Pretty much, yeah. The the fireball, dragon punch, hurricane kick, yeah, it's all the same. And that that goes back to the first game where you would just it was almost like a color palette swap. That's pretty much all you were mm. getting out of those two characters. Yeah, I mean, like I got nothing against Ken. It's just unfortunately in this situation, in this you know Super Mario esque world that we live in, yeah, you, know, you had Super Mario in his outfit, and then you had uh, Luigi, just a color, you know, color palette change. Yep. That's it. That's unfortunately what he is now. He's, I mean, I, I can't say. He's the most popular character out of the Street Fighter team. No. Like, everyone's everyone's um, slightly hated Luigi. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm just saying we all hate Luigi. I'm just saying that, you know, if you had to pick between Mario and Luigi, we'd all pick Mario because it's Mario. Yeah, definitely. And that was the same thing. Like, I never played as Ken. I don't know anybody that, that was like, oh, Ken's my guy. You know, it was Ryu <laughs> or somebody else. You know, why Ken? Now, Ryu, in the in the story of the game, Ryu invited him to the tournament, and his motivation is very similar to Ryu's. It's just to be the best competitor, to get better, he's trying to hone his skills. That's all it is. His, uh, his arcade bio says, Ken has moved to America in order to train against a greater variety of opponents. Now, that implies I- <laughs> he, he's not from America, but he actually is. I guess the story is he was in Japan and decided to move back to America. But uh, they make it sound like he's uh, Japanese in origin, but he's not. So, basically, he went to uh, Japan, learned his skill, went back to America. That's it. Yeah, because supposedly there was a greater variety of opponents in America. So, I don't know. Uh, but his his victory stances are a little different. Uh, one, he gives a peace sign, which is kind of iconic when it comes to the uh, game artwork. A lot of times you would see him giving the peace sign, and they would use that to stand for two, Street Fighter Two. Uh, the other victory stance is he would just raise a hand. Uh, his two quotes, attack me if you dare, I will crush you. And the other one is, get up, it's too early for you to be defeated. 
Yeah, those those are the worst. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Again, he said he just sounds like I don't know how long he spent in Japan, but it sounds like he went there for a Kentucky holiday, came back, and he was super into the culture. He got himself a gi. He's trying to be like, hey, yeah, I know the moves. You know, I've been to Japan. Yeah, yeah, don't worry, guys. Yeah, you don't know, you don't know what I'm like when I use my dragon punch. I mean, in Japan, they all use it. I mean, come on, guys. Yeah, you just don't understand me. That's why. That's why I've come back to America because Japan couldn't handle me. Just copied Ryu. Yeah, he's like, no one knows who this Ryu guy is. I'll just come back and steal his shtick. I'll just do, do his whole thing here. If Ryu comes over, sees Ken like that. It's like, dude, what are you doing? It's like, oh, nothing, man. Just, yeah, just showing people my moves. Those are my moves. Yeah, but like, are you wearing like my 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 gi that I, you know, did you dye it red? <laughs> no, nah, man. I just, you just, you had a spare one and it's dyed in the blood of my enemies. There's no blood in Street Fighter. Bye, Ryu. I gotta leave now. End scene. <laughs> End scene. Gets hit, gets hit by a parked car. <laughs> no, he can crush cars. He can, it's Street Fighter. We don't know who's supplying these cars, though. I think it actually is Ken's car, because it's it's found at his <laughs> stage. Like, my car! He's <laughs> like, okay, guys, I'm going to drive home now. Ah, it's on fire. <laughs> now, uh, Ken is 5'10", 169 pounds, blood type B, uh, from the mm. U.S. His birthday, February 14th, 1965, 52 years of age. Okay. So from here, we next go to Chun-Li in China. Uh, Chun-Li fights on a very busy Chinese street in front of some open storefronts. Uh, in the background there, we see that there's some sort of meat market where a guy is, I guess, wrangling a duck. And there's also people riding by on bicycles. There's a barber shop. A very, you know, very busy street. Now, Chun-Li is a martial artist. Uh, in the story of the game, she works for Interpol. She is joining the tournament to avenge the death of her father, who was killed by... You guessed it. A car. And bison. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> it's, like, it's like bison. Uh, bison just is wondering. just asking for trouble. You know, he's Bi- bison's got some problems. I gotta say, he's he's really not making a lot of people happy. Yet he's really put this tournament together for God knows. <laughs> now Chun Li does the lightning kick, where you just press any kick repeatedly. The whirlwind kick. Uh, and then uh, that's the one where she fl- she actually floats upside down with her legs outward and spins around. I think she even, it, they call it the whirlwind kick, but she says spinning bird kick as she does it. That's one of her signature moves. Yeah, because that's what I remember the spinning bird kick and the other one was a hundred foot kick. Yeah, that that uh, the official names are the lightning kick and the whirlwind kick, even though the uh, she's, she does very clearly say spinning bird kick. Her victory stance when she wins, she jumps into the air and giggles, gives a peace sign, and says, Yatta, which is, I did it. Uh, the other one is, she folds her arms and bows her head. Her two victory quotes, I'm the strongest woman in the world. And, there is no chance for you to beat me. Challenge someone else. Well, that's not how a tournament works, chun You get to move on, they don't. And, strongest woman in the world. Uh, yeah, it's good, but you're also the only woman in the league. Yeah, so, that's true. By default, she yeah, by is default, anyway. Yeah, you're you're really you know trying to destroy the, what we'd have to say the patriarchy here all yeah. by yourself. Yeah, at this point in the game, that's she's the only female character. I mean, she has a motive to be there. That's what I gotta say. Oh, definitely. Her, re- her reason to be there is you know she wants to get up to that bison and you know take his hat. We'll assume, keep <laughs> it very safe. Yeah. But yeah, you, know, you look at other characters. 
Ken just wants to fight greater opponents. Her, it's like, this is deep vendetta. This, like, you know, revenge plot. Yeah. Plus, she's an investigator. Her, uh, her official bio says, Possessing incredible speed, she often makes her opponents look like slow-moving tree slugs. <laughs> tree slug? <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay. Well, I just thought that was funny. If, if she sees a tree slug, uh, if she's faster than it, <laughs> I'll assume. It's funny, her her height is 5'8", her weight is unknown. Excuse me? She does not have a listed weight. <laughs> is this is this one of those things where it's just like, well, we don't ask for a woman's weight. It's inappropriate. It definitely seems that way. That's the official listing, unknown. Blood type hmm. A, from China, date of birth, March 1st, 1968. She's 49 years old. Ah, a baby. Not yet 50. <laughs> yeah. Good for her. She's, she's still living it up. Got so much ahead of her. So, from here we move on to the next bonus stage, which is bricks. Now, in this bonus stage, you must completely destroy this large triangular stack of bricks before time runs out. Now, the bricks are actually grouped together in clusters, as you notice. Like, if you hit them, you'll see them crack. And so, with a series of strategically placed fierce kicks, like if you're Ken or Ryu, it's possible to break them all very quickly. You don't even have to waste time jumping to the far side of the stack. Uh, so, yeah, this was kind of a one that you had to find the trick to, to get them all in time. But that's about it. You know, just breaking <laughs> bricks. They crack, you know, and you see your progress as you're going forward. But I just remember, like, mashing buttons like crazy. It feels a lot harder than the car. I mean, it's like, you're not punching a car. It's like, all right, now, blah, bricks. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like you know if you're any of the any of the people who have to fight bricks or destroy bricks, you're like who? Why was this an idea? Yeah, you know, I think of the guy who's trying to organize this with you know Bison. Bison's like, uh, what do we have last time? Car. Ah, oh, let's keep it interesting. Let's let's just put a lot of bricks out there. <laughs> it's like, what'd you say? Just get some bricks, pack them up. Uh, yep, yeah, that's it. That just bricks. Bison, you want them to destroy bricks? Yeah. I'm going to lunch. <laughs> At least bricks, yeah, I can understand. You know, I've seen, you know, martial artists break bricks. That's not anything new. Uh, the yeah, car is like, a little different. The car is different, but like the bricks, it's like, it's not like one. It's usually one brick. Yeah. Like one brick. This is a stack of bricks. Yeah. It's like, it's like, hey, Ryu, you know how you did the training where you broke a brick using focus and concentration to smash through it? Yes. Cool. Uh, a builder's left a stack of bricks over there. Could you just really just slam into them and just just destroy it? And you're being timed. Hurry up. Yeah, you're being timed. Destroy the bricks with your bare hands. Go! You have a, you have a plane to catch. Hurry up. <laughs> They're very sharp bricks. We have a plane. Two minutes. Let's go. You got to do this, then the plane. Let's go. Use your hands, bare feet. Bare feet, smash it into those really sharp bricks. <laughs> go crazy. So from here, we now go to USSR. And this is where we find... Alright, this is where we pronounce his name correctly. Zangiev. Okay. Zangiev fights in some sort of dingy factory warehouse. The workers look on from two levels. They're cheering. Except for one guy who is just constantly drinking from a bottle, not paying that much attention. This character is funny because my friends and I, pretty much anyone I knew who ever played this game, had always referred to this character as Zangief. And so to my surprise, when I saw the animated film, I think that's where I first heard it. 
uh, he's introduced before a fight as Zangiev. So this is another Ryu Ryu situation. Uh, Zangiev is a very large wrestler from the USSR. He wears red skivvies, I guess you could call them. He's uh, shirtless with a mohawk. He has some very interesting chest hair symmetry, as well as scars all over his body. He was uh, originally designed to have a black tank top, and his name was originally Vodka Gabalski. <laughs> Vodka Gabalski. It was later changed and renamed after Viktor Zangiev, who was actually a real Russian wrestler who competed professionally in Japan. So that was kind of their tribute to him. He's He actually was funny. He, he was like one of the heavies of the game, you know, one of the big strong guys. Didn't really have any energy projection or any powers like that. But he took off as one of the uh, iconic characters of the game. In fact, he was one of the ones that appeared in the movie Wreck-It Ralph not too long yeah, ago. That's true. You know, he, uh, he's made it to the top now. He's made it into a children's movie for being in a violent video game. <laughs> His moves were basically, he did the spinning clothesline. Which I think if you just press two of any three punch buttons, he would do it. He'd stick his hands out and spin around. The double lariat? Yeah. And then he also did the spinning pile driver, which this was impossible for me. I could never do the full 360 on my D-pad for the uh, Nintendo. But oh, you did yeah. A, you had to do a complete 360 uh, plus any punch. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. I'm, th I'm still thinking of the arcade where it's like you just use the stick, but then I realized, oh wait, when you're at home. Because uh, that's, that's why I was rubbish on it. Uh, on my Super Nintendo. Because yeah. again, you'd be grinding <laughs> grinding oh. the D-pad into yeah. dust just trying to do <laughs> any kind of roll roll uh, roll movement. Yeah. Yeah, I never was I haven't been able to pull that off. Well it was that tough. game. Never a 360 though. That was you get way too many blisters trying to pull that off. But those were his his big moves. He also did uh, all kinds of physical moves, the body splash, the knee drop, the power slam, the pile driver, back slam, alley oop he had a head bite as well, and a stomach pump, which I, I never saw the head bite. Uh, his victory stances, one is he makes an I'm number one gesture with both hands, and the other he just flexes and laughs. <laughs> his two victory quotes, one is, my strength is much greater than yours, and the other one is, next time we meet, I'm gonna break your arms. Well, it's like, why didn't you break my arm in the first place? <laughs> is that your whole thing? <laughs> He's like next it. time, next time we meet, I'll break your arm. Was that? It's an afterthought, was it? You know, <laughs> let me just note that off. It's like, ah, oh, I should have broken his arm last time. All right. Now, uh, his arcade bio reads: A pile driver or brainbuster from his mountainous body is nearly unwithstandable. Which is that I'm, a not word? Yeah, I'm not sure that's a word. <laughs> that's what I was just gonna say. I'm not sure that's even a word. Unwith nearly unwithstandable. Bizarre syntax or something. It's just. It is. It's not a word. Yeah, unwithstandable. <laughs> unwithstandable. So it's, man, this table is really well made. It's nearly unwithstandable. <laughs> I broke my leg. I'm unwithstandable. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, his uh, height, he's seven feet tall, believe it or not, in this yeah. game. 256 pounds, blood type A from the USSR. His date of birth, June 1st, 1956. He's 60 years old. Uh He's one of the getting close to senior citizen age. Well, <laughs> uh, I'm sure he'll live on for a little bit longer. Oh, he's he doing like fine. A, he looked like a muscle house last time. <laughs> and also, he's still alive in the current Street Fighter game. So it's like, all right, whatever he's doing, he's, he's still doing it. Yeah, at least those cuts are all healed in the later versions of the game. Yeah, he finally saw a doctor. 
the funniest thing is with the palette swap, you know how the it, the colors would change sometimes for the characters depending mm. on, you know, which which person you were or if you were facing another person that also, you know, selected him. He had either red trunks or he had green trunks. And if he had the green one, then anything red on that character would be green, including the cuts all over his body. He would have these oozing green cuts. <laughs> He's a monster. Those look very infected. It is fine. I'm going to fight now. Also, I feel very sweaty and flushed. <laughs> also, excuse me while I puke into a barrel. Get some antibiotic ointment on that, Sangif. It's looking pretty bad. <laughs> All right, so anyway, that brings us to our next stage. Dalsim, he, he is in India. Dalsim fights in a temple with four elephants in the background, six in some other versions. I don't know, for some reason, for the, uh, I think for the home version, they removed two of the elephants. Uh, when the battle is over, the elephants actually trumpet, which is pretty funny. Now, the character of Dalsim, he is a pacifist, but he decided to join the tournament so he could raise money for his village. So evidently, there is a cash prize that uh, Bison has put up here. Do we know how much it is? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. like, we're all going to win money. It's like, cool, how much? Just money. Enough to help his village, evidently. Uh, his look, you know, people have commented on this that he's not the most culturally sensitive. He, his character design has not held up well. Uh, he has a shaved head. He wears face paint. He has, like, skulls around his neck. And he uh, has firepower, which he attributes to yoga, and he can stretch his body. Uh, his his moves are the yoga fire, which he blows a fireball. The yoga mm. flame, which I could never do. That's 180 degree rotation, and he could blow like a large flame that burns the opponents. And it also nullifies projectiles, which is pretty cool. So, if, so for example, if, if Guile throws a sonic boom, he could do the yoga flame and it would nullify it, which is, is pretty cool. Uh, of course... Even as playing this character so much, I could never pull it off. I like how his abilities come from yoga. Evidently. Maybe he's doing hot yoga, assumedly. But if he modernized them today, he'd have to be wearing yoga pants. <laughs> it would be very distracting. Yes, yes. Definitely yoga pants. They, they stretch, so it accommodates, you know, his abilities. Mm. His uh, two victory stances, one, he holds his hands together over his head and he moves side to side. He does some sort of dance. The second one is that he crosses his legs and he levitates. Ooh, magical. His quotes, one is, I will meditate and then destroy you. The other one is, now you've realized the inner mysteries of yoga. I'm baffled by both of those things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can tell it's just type up whatever. Yeah, it's like, I'm going to meditate, then destroy you. It's like, well, how long is your meditation? If you're into yoga, like, you're going to be here for a while? Because I'm going to leave and get myself a sandwich. Plus, you know, what good is your meditation? It didn't uh, help you get rid of the, you know, your negative thoughts, evidently. Also, you're a pacifist? Yeah. That's a lie. That's a lie. <laughs> you're, here, you're, here, you're here to put your fist right into my face, and yet you're saying you're a pacifist. Terrible. <laughs> His official arcade bio reads, a master of yoga, he is capable of manipulating his body in ways that are unbelievable to ordinary humans. Okay, I, I'd, I'd believe that, because he's a little stretchy punching the leg thing. Yeah, crazy. His height is listed at 5'10", but it's also noted in the official bio, he can change height and weight to some extent. So he's listed at 5'10", 107 pounds. Very, very light. His blood type is O. He's from India. His date of birth, November 22nd, 1952. He is 64 years old. I think he's the oldest character in the game. Well, age will not stop him from being the heck out of you. 
<laughs> with his yoga. Okay, and now three of our final four opponents have a very odd and interesting connection. Uh, the American boxer Balrog, the Spanish cage fighter Vega, and the fearsome leader of Chateloo, M. Bison. And uh, Hamish, I think you know, but do you know what these three street fighters have in common? Uh, they switched and swapped their names about. Yeah, their names were all changed for the English version of the game. Yeah. So, you know what the M and M. Bison stands for then? Mike. <laughs> Mike. <laughs> because it's so, supposed to be M, Bi M. Bison was supposed to be on Bolrog, and Bolrog's uh, design is from uh, Mike Tyson at that time. Yeah. Uh, and because he's a boxer, he's called M. Bison or Mike Bison. And then, was it there? Because since they decided to swap the names around because they didn't want to get sued, I believe. Yeah, it was. pretty much the North American branch of Capcom, when they realized, okay, we're going to release this game now outside of Japan, reportedly they were so worried about being sued by uh, Mike Tyson's representation that they decided to switch the names around. So Vega was no longer this fearsome leader, he was the cage fighter. Well, then the cage fighter's name went to the boxer, and Mike Bison, the pun on Mike Tyson, ended up going to the fearsome Shadowloo leader. So we have Mike Bison as the, mm -hmm. the main villain of the game. It's Mike Bison. You're not, you're not scared of a guy like that, Mike Bison? Oh, no, here comes Mike. <laughs> Bring down his reign of oppression onto us. Okay, and now this brings us to Balrog in in the United States. Balrog fights pretty much what looks like the Las Vegas Strip. We see that there's a large crowd gathered to watch. Uh, this is all happening in front of casinos that have large neon signs for... This is the Golden Nugget, and I think the Golden Goose is another one. On the right side of the screen, if you notice, there's two showgirls in top hats dancing around. And when the battle is over, they take off the hats, which release doves hidden underneath. Ah, oh, it's all magic. It's all happening. It's great. <laughs> now, Balrog is one of the four bosses of the game. Uh, not much of a backstory. He's a disgraced boxer. And so now he just works for Bison and his organization. I have no idea what he actually did to be disgraced. Uh, they may have added to that story later on. But at this point, that's all we know. <laughs> he, he probably did something quite bad. We don't know what that is that Mike Bison did. I mean, Balrog, uh, because, you know, he's not based of anyone in reality. He's just a boxer who looks like his own thing. <laughs> so basically, his moves, they're, uh, they were all punch-based, of course. He wears boxing gloves, which is pretty funny, you know, even though he's in this Street Fighter tournament. Uh, he does the turn punch, the dash punch, the dash uppercut. He also has a headbutt move, but uh, I never liked playing as Balrog. Did you play much as him? Nah. I, again, it's just like he's a boxer character. It's like, well, I feel like you're in the wrong game, man. Yeah, it, was, it seemed boring to me. It's like I'm not playing Super Punch Out. Just, you know, just do cool stuff. Yeah. His his two victory stances, one, he would flex. Seems to be a, a common thread. Uh, victory stance, two, he would flex and then rip off his vest. Did you remember that? <laughs> Even with boxing gloves on, he would somehow be able to rip that denim off. So he has, this, he has the same problem as Strong Bad. Hey, Balrog, how do you remove your shirt with boxer gloves on? <laughs> His two quotes, one was, get up, you wimp! And the second one is, hey, what happened? I'm not through with you yet. But he punched him in the head. Like, that's basically yeah. the response. Like, he fell to the ground after you punched him multiple times. What do you think happened? <laughs> 
And because he, he was not originally a, a playable character, he doesn't have a official bio or listing. Well, actually, there's this one thing he actually has. It's a very short bio. He has this thing that says he has defeated all challenges in the boxing ring, and that's it. <laughs> he's defeated everyone in the boxing ring, but now he's going to go fight some professional fighters. Okay, so maybe that's what his motivation is. He's looking for a new challenge. I think that's it. Yeah, okay. All right, so now that brings us to our third and final bonus stage. And this is barrels, wooden barrels, uh, not to be confused with metal barrels. Some versions have a, a metal drum bonus stage, which is, you know, quite boring. But this is the most difficult and frustrating bonus level. You're in this weird location, some sort of barrel factory, where barrels are moving on a conveyor belt along the top of the screen and then they fall through an opening in the center. And as they drop down, you must break them. And as you do, a scoreboard counts your total. And it's very, very hard. The, the only real efficient way to break them is with some sort of fierce punch or kick, but the barrels don't fall at a consistent rate. In fact, they speed up, so you'll often miss. And if you miss a barrel, it falls to the floor and it, it'll roll around. If it rolls to you, it'll knock you down, causing you to miss more barrels and compounding the problem. You know, really uh, like an I Love Lucy at the uh, Chocolate Factory situation. Yeah, I think that's what they based this entire level <laughs> off, was that episode of I Love Lucy. They're sitting there going, oh, we need another challenge stage. Oh, actually, well, let's keep it in canon. Bison's sitting there watching I Love Lucy and going, you know what? This, but barrels. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what do you think? It's like Bison, you got people to fight bricks last time. I know, but I would say let's just keep it interesting. Get me a whole bunch of barrels. Where are we going to get them from? Yeah. Buy a factory. We'll set <laughs> it up there. Let's buy a factory. It's like, Bison, you don't know how much money you're wasting. And I don't need to know. So, did you ever play this bonus level? What did you think of this one? Uh, I think any time I got to it, it was just sheer panic. <laughs> because it's like, you either fight the barrels or just try and avoid them as best you can but yeah. no, I, 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 was, I, was, I couldn't do it. So nerve-wracking yeah, I, I barely would ever get through it perfect. I think I would try to play a Sagat one time just so mm. I could get through because he, he would have very long legs and he mm. could kick very well with the shoulder buttons but even mm. then, it's all timing and if you're not completely centered, they would have you miss. It was It was terrible. I hated that bonus stage Okay, now from there, we go to our next boss, and this is in Spain, facing Vega. Vega fights inside of a cage in some sort of nightclub or restaurant. Uh, people are sitting at tables and they're cheering, watching you. Uh, this is a very unique stage because Vega can also climb that the chain-link walls of the cage and drop down with attacks. And so in later versions where he was a playable character, there was a way that you could actually get up there and, uh, you know, use it to your advantage, but only in that stage. So it wasn't really that much of an advantage. Mm. Now, the character of Vega, he was also known as Claw, of course, because he is a Spanish bullfighter who wears a long metal claw on his left hand. He also wears a, a plain white mask over his face. Uh, we'll also learn that he is extremely vain, very, very much in love with his own appearance. His, his moves were the rolling claw, the claw dive, the air suplex, and then he also had a, a regular suplex and an air throw. I never really cared for this character much, especially since you could, like, knock the claw off his hand, you know? Yeah, it was he knocked the claw and the mask off. Yeah. Yeah. Just really just mess him up. He's, 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 like, he's like a vain wolverine. <laughs> yeah. Very tall, athletic, vain wolverine. 
Now his two victory stances, one, he would jump, remove his mask, yell, and uh, I think it was even a yodel, like a yodel and he raises a hand in victory, and uh, the v- second victory stance is that he would do a backflip and raise his hand in victory. Now his his two victory quotes, one is, handsome fighters never lose a battle. <laughs> okay. And the second one, thank you for a gorgeous time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... It's like a handsome fighters never lose a battle. It's like, well, that's surprising because I got my, ha- you know, my face handed to me. Uh, and was it? What a gorgeous time! Thank you for a gorgeous time. Ugh, just ugh. Doesn't even make sense. Well, yeah, he's, he's very, you know, he's a fabulous man. That's what he is. <laughs> just mixing mixing a lot of things together. Like he's got the Spanish bullfighters kind of look going on, but he's got himself a mask and a claw. Don't know how that yeah. works in Spain. Has it? Is that a Spanish thing? Am I missing something out here? Like, really? Is there something else? Like, yeah, I'm missing, like, maybe the, the there's a history of the claw in Spain. Also, uh, Vega's bio. Uh, this is strange for the fact that this is what it says. Nicknamed the Spanish Ninja. He's the quickest contestant in this, in the round up. In the round <laughs> up. Like, I'm, the round like, I'm up. reading. Let's see, I'm reading it as, as, like, he's the quickest contestant in the round up. Or did, did it mean, like, the round up of people? Or just... I guess. Maybe that's what they're referring to as the tournament? The roundup? In the roundup! <laughs> no, that's what I'm thinking, too. Yeah, but also, <laughs> the Spanish ninja. Fair enough. Huh. So once this battle is over, everybody at the restaurant, they're cheering. There's even people with aprons that are cheering. I think in the arcade version, there were people playing guitars. So they were, like, you know, serenading the, the diners at the club. They were m- removed for some reason for the home version. Maybe just a save space but uh so once that's over we go to thailand to face sagat now sagat fights outdoors in front of a large reclining buddha statue there's also temples in the background off in the distance sagat is the tournament champion that you have to defeat in the original street fighter game so he's the, the third character that's carried over to the sequel basically he's the boss of the original game uh he is seven feet four inches. Uh, he's a Muay Thai kickboxer, and now in Street Fighter 2, he looks a little different. He actually has an eye patch and a large scar on his chest. And we learn that this is from his last confrontation with Ryu. So, that's his motivation for entering the tournament. He wants a little revenge against the guy that blasted his chest wide open, I guess. Oof. But a, a little spoiler, by uh, Street Fighter 4, they're no longer enemies. I think I even read he refers to Ryu as his friend. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice uh, conclusion to their tale. You know, a friendship came about from a horrific injury. <laughs> yeah, and I just sit back laughing about it. <laughs> he blew my chest wide open with a dragon punch. <laughs> Good times. Also still missing an eye. Yeah, and I forget what the eye had to do. It didn't have to do with Ryu. I think he lost the eye somewhere else. But, yeah. Anyway, he's... uh... (laughs) A beach holiday. (laughs) Oh, the umbrella in this drink! Oh! oh. Yes, yes, we've all seen that Simpsons episode. (laughs) (laughs) So his moves are the, the tiger shot which uh, it's a small projectile of red energy. And as he fires it, he says, tiger, tiger. There's also the ground tiger shot, because like I mentioned, he's seven feet, four inches. So he does a, a one blast high up, another one down low. 
So he'll actually crouch down and do the same move. He also does the tiger uppercut, which is pretty much Sagat's version of Ken and Ryu's dragon punch. And I love just, you know, keeping with the theme of announcing your move as you do it. He's like, tiger uppercut! Let's <laughs> make sure you and know what's coming. And I should mention, too, since we're talking about uh, Sagat and Ryu here, there is a guy in Brazil, his name is Marcelo Carvalho, and he actually is famous for being able to do an impression of Ryu fighting Sagat. Have you ever seen this on YouTube? Uh, I can't say I have. It's so great. He he does, uh, there's some videos of it on YouTube. He, he does it live on a, on a TV show, but he also has a YouTube channel. So check it out on his YouTube channel, where he also plays the accompanying guitar uh, that uh, <laughs> that goes along with the stage. It's really great. And he'll do the, you know, round one fight. It, and all the sounds, all the punches, all the uh, announcing of the moves. It's hilarious. It's very worth checking out. Candidato número 3, minha boca é um show, valendo mil reais. Round one, fight. Adulter, adulter, tiger, tiger, adulter, tiger, 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 are you kidding? A tiger, tiger. It's awesome. Tiger uppercut. Tiger uppercut. It's so good. He even does like where the hurricane kick is being like interrupted by a punch and stuff. It's so funny. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, and Sagat's bio here, it's uh, something along, again, what we just talked about earlier about um, him being defeated by Ryu. But has, has, though he was defeated by Ryu's dragon punch, his former champion came back to regain his former status. Okay. Okay, so he had status last time, but he's come back for it since, you know, he got dragon punched in the chest, was it? Yes. Well, he's come back for revenge. Yeah, once the wound healed, sure. So now, finally, we are at our last stage, the M. Bison stage at Shadowloo. Now, at the final stage, the plane icon flies to a new icon that appears on the map, which is just a portrait of M. Bison. Not a flag, just his portrait, located somewhere in Southeast Asia. This is the fictional land, I guess, of Shadowloo. It's kind of unclear whether at first it's an organization or a country. Obviously, in the movie, it's a country. In the arcade version, at least, they mention it being an organization. But anyway, this is where M. Bison is. He is the host of the tournament. Uh, his story is that he's a general. And his character design, he's wearing sort of a red military uniform along with a cape. He is a skilled fighter who can also harness what they call psycho energy. Wow. I say mm. psycho, not psychokinetic, it's psychokinetic. No, psycho. His design actually uh, pays tribute to some other characters. It's said to be based on General Washikazi from the manga Riki-O, as well as the character Yasunori Keto from the Taito Monogatari series of fantasy books and films. And it's worth looking at uh, the Wikipedia article on M. Bison. You mm. can definitely see where M. Bison came from looking at this character. Mm. Now his moves, he has the Psycho Crusher, which is where he just propels himself forward with blue psycho energy. And it's kind of like that move you were talking about earlier with the movie. Where Raul Julia's M. Bison propels himself forward with his fists out. It's like the closest real-life approximation we actually got to a move. <laughs> uh, well, he tried. He's yeah. doing the best he could. 
No, but I mean, the movie, like we said, it didn't give us too many special moves. That was one of them. The other one is a scissor kick, and this is where he does a forward flip. As he's rotating, he lands two very powerful kicks. He also mm. does the head stomp, which is always hilarious. <laughs> he flies down on you in two feet, <laughs> you know, slam on your head. Well, he, he fights in a very specific style, I, I guess. Very violent. <laughs> now, his victory stance, one, he takes a step back and he just folds his arm. The other, he, he makes like an I'll cut your throat type of gesture. Yikes. His two quotes are, anyone who opposes me will be destroyed. And the other one is, get lost. You can't compare with my powers. <laughs> he's, he's, such a, he's such a regal sounding man. He knows language well. Get lost. Hey, get out of here. You don't know how good I am. It's like, <laughs> maybe he's writing that in legal documents and things like that. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping he's not putting that into speeches and things like that. It sounds very unprofessional. All right, so that brings us to the very end of the game. And this was so great. A great part of this game is that if you defeat Bison and become world champion, your character is given their own unique ending to their story. Now, to get these, you would have to beat the game without losing a round. If you did lose a round at some point, you instead saw basically what was a highlight reel of some simulated gameplay with your character, and they would scroll some game credits over it. But uh, supposedly, and I don't know if this is different for other versions, because there are, you know, many versions of this game. But supposedly, if you got through this without ever losing a round, you get these, like, almost cinematic endings to your character's story. So let's go over how the story ends for these characters, because these are so great. And what I will do is, I will start with our villains first, because they really had the most boring endings. Yeah. So for the four villains, the end visuals are all pretty much the same. It's a black screen. We have the four villains' portraits arranged in a diamond formation. The winner, uh, like if you were Balrog, he would be in the top spot in that formation. They would just cycle it for whoever, you know, it was. Uh, the Along the bottom of the screen, we see a line of henchmen, and they're marching with flames behind them, a very menacing looking uh, screen here. And text that's specific to that character will scroll. So, this is what it says for Balrog. If you win the game with him, it says, Yeah! <laughs> Number one! Shouting in a loud voice, a victorious Balrog thrusts out his bloody fists at the crowd. He remembers what he learned growing up in the ghetto. Sometimes only the power of a man's fist can save his butt on the streets of life. This belief has made him the greatest fighter in the world. Children all over the country once again may believe that the American dream is still alive. Um, hmm. All right. Here's the thing. For anyone who hasn't seen that ending, it kind of looks like the Bohemian Rhapsody segment, you know, with like the, yes. the four heads. But instead of just all black, it's got like flames at the bottom. And that's it. So it's it's an it's a yeah it's pretty boring just because like they're the villains so obviously ah oh, villainy one everything's bad <laughs> yeah Blanca bolts of lightning very very frightening <laughs> it's late it's late what can I say it's late over here anyway so that brings us to Vega and Vega's also starts with a quote this world exists only for the beautiful. So naturally, only a gorgeous hunk of a man like me could win. Vega stands victorious, stroking his long blonde hair and adds calmly, 
The ugly deserve no mercy. So I destroyed them all. He he he. Come on. <laughs> really? What? How do you define ugly? He He's going to get old. He's going to get old. We assume he's uh, in his late 50s at this point. Well, I don't know. Maybe looks like Charles Bronson when he's older. I don't know. <laughs> Loses all that hair. Yeah, well, and that's another thing. His blonde, long blonde hair. He has brown hair. <laughs> well, he's blind. Colorblind. So anyway, you know, that's basically building off what we learned earlier. He's very much into himself. And uh, he lets it all out at the end, declaring how beautiful he is and how ugly all of his defeated opponents were. Again, these are very boring. All right, so that brings us to Sagat. This reads, The new king of Street Fighters looks around for the wandering warrior who is stronger than himself. He thinks, Come back, Ryu. Get tougher and learn what it is to be a loser. Today my great scar shows I have learned and overcome. Until then, I'll be waiting. The title of the world's greatest fighter means nothing to him. It is the power of the fight in defeating a worthy opponent that he lives for. Maybe he was born to be a fighter. Like, what? Yes. <laughs> There's a lot going on there. So, he admits that Ryu is stronger than him. Right. He's looking around for where he is. Right. And challenges him to another fight, even though he says he's the best. But right. then he says that being the greatest doesn't mean anything to him. Right. And uh, he just wants to defeat a worthy opponent. But then, maybe he was born to be a fighter. Well, was that even a question? I'm just trying to unpack this. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot going on here. But he's already a fighter. Yeah, is he questioning that now? His very being? At the pinnacle of his career? <laughs> At the pinnacle of his career, he's like, well... Huh. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just dumbfounded. Yeah, I don't know. It's a very odd oh, time to, you know, start questioning this stuff. It's like, he must have been had one too many blows to the head, but okay. <laughs> well, it's a very, like I said, another dumb ending. Okay, here's the last one of the villains, M. Bison. It says, Standing with his cape flowing behind him, the King of Destruction watches as his armies rise up to take over the world. Under the rule of his merciless fist, whole countries will be brought under his organization's control, bringing death and destruction to anyone who dares... Oh, actually, I should mention too. Grammatically, this is incorrect. It's <laughs> death and destruction... Death and destruction to anyone dares who opposes him. I, bl I believe it should be to anyone who dares to oppose him. Anyway, it finishes with... Bison laughs and says, Thanks to you, the world is mine. Okay, so he staged this tournament right. only for the purpose of winning, and mm -hmm. at that moment, his armies could rise and conquer the world or whatever his plan is. Why did this tournament have to take place? Well, because Bison... Yeah, I got nothing. I can't think. <laughs> Even I can't figure out. It's like, well, I don't know, mate. Bison wanted to find strong people to fight him, but he could have just fought them himself. And... Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. He's he's an evil guy. He's evil. That's it. Yeah. Basically, you got these four characters who were originally non-playable characters, and they had to like create endings for them. I guess hmm. you know that's all it is. That's why we don't get these cinematic endings for these guys. It's just text scrolls, and they're very boring. All right, so let's get to the real character endings. <laughs> so Ryu. So if you beat the game with him, he's on the winner's podium. 
We see Sagat standing at third, M. Bison stands on the second spot, but the first place pedestal <laughs> is empty. And we read, as the award ceremony begins, the crowd can be heard whispering, where is the champion? Where is Ryu? Where is Ryu? As his admirers chant his name. Mm. And so now from here we cut to a very solemn Ryu. It's a close-up of him who walks away towards the setting sun on the horizon. And the text continues, Already seeking the next challenge? Ceremony means nothing to him. The fight is all. It's a very unsatisfying ending for anyone that just put in all that time playing as him. But but he's the thing, right? Like, you play as him, and it's like, was it, it, it's, it's like in canon of the entire situation it's like where's Ryu and like they're all standing around like where is he and he's already walking away like well goodbye <laughs> I'm done with this time to keep walking but here's the problem with with the game then just puts him back on the podium doesn't it because I'm trying to remember like I, like he had like um, uh, the podium and then like he had like an animation like he just puts the character back on the podium or something like that oh at the very end yeah I think yeah, so because it's, it's a default where it's just like boop puts the character on the podium to show no yeah no you've actually won He's, he didn't just walk away. It's fine. I love how M. Bison set this whole tournament up as a trap, but yet he's willing to play along and like stand in the second spot. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, guess I lost. Tell all my guys to uh, pack up their guns and stuff. It's a very incredible Hulk-like ending where he's just, all right, well, now I'm going to walk away. You almost want to hear that music. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> I have to find the next fight. Well, the next next fight, because this is the second game. Yeah. All right, so now, Ken, when you beat the game with Ken, this is very funny. A blonde lady runs <laughs> on to the, to the basically, where you still are. I mean, you're there with Bison's body there at the, on the ground. This blonde lady runs up and yells, Ken? Ken replies, oh, Eliza, what are you doing here? And we cut to... <laughs> like, we the, cut, the way it sounds, it's just like, oh, hey, what's up? I was just, just busy yeah. fighting some people. It's like, this This place isn't even on the map, but Eliza's here. And we cut to Ken holding her in his arms. She says, I came here to find you so we can be together again. And this picture of him holding her switches with them in the same pose, but them dressed for their wedding. Him in a tuxedo and her in a bridal gown, which then fades to a sepia tone, like implying that it's their wedding photo. So <laughs> it turned uh, into a very happy ending for Ken. Yeah, it kind of just does this kind of morphing thing over their bodies, where it's just like, oh, let's just not do any animation, we'll just put that over the top. That'll be fine. <laughs> but then there's the wedding march. <laughs> that's, that's played yeah. afterwards. It's like, okay, yeah. cool. It's like, I oh, just beat up all these guys, and then she just runs out of nowhere, and he's like, all right, let's get married. It's like, okay, that's it. <laughs> you know, he's, he's best buddy Ryu, or Ryu. Uh, is all, you know, being solemn, is all about the fight. And the reason, you know, Ken came around was he's looking for, you know, other opponents to fight. But now he's all like, oh, okay, let's get married. I'm done with this. Uh, kind of a surprise proposal. Very funny. Yeah. So next we have Chun-Li. And hers kind of starts out sad. Uh, we cut to Chun-Li kneeling at a grave. She says, Father, your death is avenged. Now that I have destroyed Bison, his drug ring will surely collapse. Finally, you can rest in peace. Now, it, that's in the arcade version. I believe in the home console versions, they replaced Drug Ring with Empire. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so from her at her father's grave, we cut to a very happy Chun-Li in a fashionable outfit as she continues. And I can get back to being a young single girl. 
It's like this so. complete sw- uh, switch about where it's like her whole story is about to get the revenge for her father, and she's there at the gravestone. Then the next was it next image is her tossing away the whole outfit and be like, yeah. okay, now for some fun, you know. <laughs> and that's not to say she doesn't earn it, but it is quite this, you know, quite the one eighty. Pretty brief. Like I, I know if she's standing right in front of the grave doing that, just flipping away not. her outfit, going, "Okay, to the beach." You know, it's like that. <laughs> wow. Uh, but yeah, she she could so have had a very solemn, you know, strong story ending there. But instead, nope. Time to be a young girl, a single young girl. So next we have Guile. After defeating Bison, Guile walks over and asks, "Hey, Bison, remember me? Remember Charlie?" Remember Cambodia? Now, that's only in the arcade version. Uh, they removed Cambodia in the cartridge version. Bison replies, I remember, Guile. You're not the runt you were then. Go ahead and kill me quickly. Then, all of a sudden, a lady runs over and we read, Honey, stop! Guile replies, Jane? <laughs> it's like all these, all these former lovers uh, show up at Chateloo. Yeah. No, this cl- cuts to a close-up of Guile with his wife and daughter behind him. Jane continues her pleading, saying, Please, dear, killing Bison won't bring Charlie back. It'll simply make you a murderer just like Bison. Please come home. Let's start over. Guile says, But I deserted you. Next, his daughter says, Please, Daddy, Mommy and I still love you. And he says, Amy? Is that my little Amy? <laughs> <laughs> he is the worst father. <laughs> uh, now this cuts to a very lovely scene at the Guile household. He's now wearing a sweater and slippers. There's a fire going in the fireplace. There's a little dog there. <laughs> Amy has her arms around him and, and Jane is wearing an apron and she asks, Would you like some tea, dear? Then she says, Honey, what's wrong? And Guile says... Huh? Oh, nothing, sweetheart. I just feel like I'm waking up from a long nightmare. I love you, Jane. What? <laughs> what a bizarre situation we find ourselves in. It's like, wait, wait, was he just, like, remembering the Street Fighter, like, match? But like how he completely forgot his family. It's yeah. Like, that's why he kept on saying the father things, like, go home, be a family man. Now, now he's like, oh, wait, I have a wife and a kid. I am neglectful. Yeah, he's a terrible father. And, you know, th- think like you said, disparaging the whole notion of being a family man. Yeah. He himself was one the whole time. Not a good one. No, apparently. He, d- he didn't know what his daughter looked like. What? You grew up? How old are you now? Eight? Nine? I'm only six. Oh, crazy times. <laughs> so next we have E-Honda. E-Honda's ending scene is him speaking to his students. And we see him sparring as he says... So, my students, now you see what rewards may be reaped if the mind and body are in perfect harmony. In this next cuts to Honda wearing a kimono and kneeling at a table, eating with his students seated behind him. He continues, Do you think I will relax my discipline just because I have won? No! I will still train hard, and I will still eat nabe. Now, I I looked this up. Nabe also is called nabe mono. It is a general term meaning hot pot or things in a pot. Basically, it's a type of meal. One variety of nabemono is called chanko nabe. It usually contains chicken and meatballs, and it was originally served to sumo wrestlers to help them gain weight. 
So that this is what he is doing here. He's already getting back into sumo shape, uh, trying to gain weight. I like the animation where it looks like it's not quite him eating, strangely enough. Yeah. Like, it's not, it's not food going into mouth. It just, like, goes up to, like, neck height. It keeps going yes. back down. It, it then finishes with, As Honda eats and chats with his disciples, everyone is in harmony, concentrating only on food and friendship. Aww. Well, it's a, you know, it's a pleasant ending for this character. Alright, so next we have Zangiev. And just after Zangiev wins, a helicopter flies in, and who is it? It's Mikhail Gorbachev? Oh, celebrity! And he climbs down to congratulate him. He says, Comrade Zangiev, you have made your country proud and shown that the Soviet spirit can overcome all obstacles. Now it's time to celebrate in the appropriate Russian fashion. And then we cut to them dancing, of all things. Zangiev says, Mr. President, you dance very well. He replies, well, you know, it keeps me in shape. Everybody dance. And so Zangiev, or Zangief, gets a, a dance ending of all of all things. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Very unexpected. But it's a dance in- ending with Mikhail Gorbachev. Yes. Uh. Who uh, they mention as former president for the home release by that time. Yeah. But yeah, very crazy ending for, for Zangiev. Hey, very he, happy ending. He, he has some powerful friends. <laughs> but like that, Mikhail is just hanging out in a helicopter. like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> so next we have Dalsim. And so after Dalsim defeats Bison, we cut to him riding his elephant, which is named Kodal, by the way. And he says, I can finally go home to my family. I've been gone so long. The screen goes black and we read, three years later. And this opens on a very strange scene of Dalsim eating with his son, who is named Data. They are drawn in a very unflattering, cartoony style. It's very strange. Uh, This actually was changed to be more realistic looking in later versions. And in those later versions, Dalsim's wife was also added to the scene. But here on the wall, we see a framed picture of the winner's podium. And we see Dalsim is in the first place spot. Dada asks, Dad, what's that picture? Dalsim replies, that's just your dad in his past life. Which I'm guessing is a reincarnation joke. Yep. So that's that. <laughs> it's it's a, it's, but, a, it's a pretty flat joke. I, I, I mean, I get it. No, the crazy thing too is three years later. So this it took him three years to ride his elephant all the way back to his village <laughs> in India. So what do you think it means? It goes. The screen goes black. It says three years later, and then it cuts to him in, in his home in his village. Unless it just means. You know, three years later, his son just happens to comment on the picture. But, I, think, I think it's three, you know. three, three years later from that point. I don't think it's going to take three years for him to get across the country. Because remember, this game does involve planes. Well, he's on his <laughs> elephant. He rides his elephant at the end. So wait, He doesn't take a plane back. If you're playing as Delazim and you're zipping around all these countries, it's like, well, time to take the elephant. It's like, Delazim, all your luggage is in the plane ready to go. Don't worry. Elephant's my air transport. Doop, 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 doop. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's a slow, slow ride. <laughs> Take it easy. No. <laughs> okay, we got one more. And this is arguably the, the happiest of all the endings here. Blanca. So, immediately after this beast, Blanca, defeats Bison, he starts to celebrate. A woman runs over, again, another very common theme, saying, Jimmy? Are you my long-lost son, Jimmy? Blanca replies, who are you? Why would I be your son? My name's Blanca. The lady says, 
My son was lost in an airplane crash over Brazil when he was only a little boy. She then looks at his leg and says, Wait, that anklet! I gave that to you on your birthday! And we see Blanca sticking out his leg and looking at the anklet. (laughs) (laughs) They then warmly embrace as they say to each other, Mommy! Jimmy! It's it's funny. It's funny that you know he's got himself a new name, uh, a new life, and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I don't remember you. Oh, wait, now I remember you. What, what, yeah, it, what a very selective memory. That, that anklet that's been on your ankle since you were a little boy, and now must be very much cutting off the circulation to your beast-like foot. Yeah, because they gave it to you when you're <laughs> a child, you and now you've grown out you're like into this huge monster man. Also, it says <laughs> Jimmy and has like your name and address on it, but you didn't look at that, did you? Did she know, like, did she kind of think that that was Jimmy? And that's why she decided to go to Shadaloo? Did she live in Shadaloo already? Did the anklet just happen to tip her off as she was watching the fight? I mean, there's so many questions. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> More or less because, Nobody like, he, he, he doesn't look like himself, like the little boy or whatever. And, you know, no. she's like, oh, that monster man, very familiar. Uh, and the, the the animation at the end is very funny. Them crying and hugging this lady and this giant green beast with spiky orange hair. Hmm. Alright, so from that wonderful ending, let's wrap up this episode. Hamish, what are your thoughts upon going over this uh, incredible video game from many years ago? Uh, it's a unique thing to look at these days. It still holds up. You can see, yeah, combat-wise, still holds up. Gameplay is fine. Story, just ignore that. You don't need no story. <laughs> it's a it's a mystery unto itself. But no, I I think it's still playable. It's still for people who've never really played fighters before. Uh, and it, yeah, it's it's a I guess I'd I'd say it's a friendly, a humbler time. You know, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't about violence or trying to you know impress people with how you can pull someone's skull off their body. It was just a you know a, a wholesome little adventure story. You know about fighting. <laughs> yeah, I I love this game. It's it's so fun to play, and uh, like I said, it's available like for the Wii U and the Nintendo Wii, and you know, like you said, you could go to a secondhand store and probably find a copy if you own an older console. I know there's newer versions of Street Fighter, but uh, nothing beats Street Fighter Two. All right, and that'll pretty much do it for this episode of Hitting Play. As always, you can email us with your comments, suggestions, your special moves, whatever you got for us at hittingplayshow at gmail dot com, or you can talk to us on Twitter at Hitting Play. Now, Hamish, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, well, if you want to find me on Twitter, uh, on Twitter, Silent Hamish. Uh, I'm on Facebook at Silent Hamish Art. Instagram, Silent Hamish. And if you want to buy a t-shirt from me uh, on Redbubble, just look up Silent Hamish. You can buy yourself the Silent Hamish shirt. <laughs> I, it, it doesn't say Silent Hamish. It's my face. It's a cool piece of... Cool thing. Yeah, whatever. Just check it out, and it can be yours. And confuse your friends with an uh, image of my face on a shirt. <laughs> We have uh, the the link to it will be in the description of this episode if you want to click right on that. Very nice. Uh, I am on Twitter as well. My name there is at MC and Friends. You can follow me there. I am also on Instagram, and because Vine is dead, I post a lot of my uh, flip page animations and stop motion animations there, as well as some other humorous little cartoons and drawings. Uh, I can be found on Instagram at MC underscore and underscore Friends. So please follow me there. If you listen to us on iTunes, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It helps us out, and if you do, you will get a shout-out on the show. For Android users, we are also available to stream and or download on Stitcher. We can be found on TuneIn Radio, as well as the Google Play Music app, so check us out on those platforms. 
And if you have a Roku device, you can download the TuneIn Radio channel, you can set Hitting Play as a favorite, and you can stream these episodes right through your television as they are released. Well, we have been Hamish and Scott, and this has been Hitting Play. Thank you so much for listening.